0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
0: And I'm Julie Douglas.
1: And it is a new year, Mm -hmm. so it's time to build a new you, to change the way you interact with the world and hack that brain, right?
0: That's right. That's why we have an episode of all sorts of tweaks that you can make. And uh, before we launch into that wanted to just let you guys know of a new quick and dirty hack, and it's chewing gum. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Forbes has an interesting article called Chew Yourself a Better Brain by David DeSalvo, and it really talks about increasing blood flow to the brain, which can have all sorts of consequences. And uh, in the article, DeSalvo outlines these merits, these consequences of gum chewing. We're talking about boosting memory, mood, and decreasing anxiety. But it does have its drawbacks, and uh, the drawbacks have to do with test-taking. Huh. Because it turns out it's really important to chew that gum about 20 minutes before you take that test. But spit it out when you take the test, because apparently the chewing of the gum and the thinking at the same time, it's too much of an energy drain.
1: Interesting. You know, I used to chew gum all the time here at work while I was researching and writing and all. But then I, I kind of phased it out about a, about two years ago. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. How come? Um, it just seemed, it seemed like it was getting excessive. Like maybe I shouldn't be yeah. chewing gum all the time.
0: Yeah, and I think you got a talking to about all that gum underneath your desk, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't fit my leg, I could only fit my legs under my desk by putting them into two, uh, like tubes, uh, that were free of gum. So, yeah, well, yeah. that's
0: what happens when you choose bubbleicious. Indeed,
1: yeah. indeed. All right, so here you go. Uh, maybe you didn't hack your brain last year, but, uh, here are the recommendations once more. You know, Julie, we are in a new year, mm-hmm. essentially a new studio, whole new set of rules, and since it's new year, everybody is talking about, uh, you know, what you're going to change, how this year is going to be different. Last year, we're just going to go and write that one off, but this year, <laughs> 2014, this is the year it's going to happen, or this is the year it's not going to happen. I swear.
0: Okay, blank slate, folks. Yeah. How are you going to fill it in? What you going to do? What you going to change?
1: Yeah, we That's- have an artificial new start. Going on, uh, <laughs> virtue of the calendar. So, uh, so yeah. What what does it take to change behavior? That's the uh, the big question. And a lot of people have put in uh, their two cents on this. A lot of people have sold their two cents on this to uh, a public that is ever uh, interested in changing themselves for the better?
0: Well, first of all, there's that three-week myth that persists, this idea that in order to change a habit or make a new one, all you need is 21 days, consecutive days, and boom, there you go. You are now going to be a Mandarin expert or <laughs> some other uh, jujitsu warrior of knowledge and something
1: yeah which of course is ridiculous when you pair it up with the with the other adage you hear a lot about uh, uh 10,000 hours isn't it uh, yes. Put 10,000 hours towards something and you'll be you'll be you'll be great at it 10,000 hours a good bit longer than 21 days but where does the 21 days thing come from well you you start trying to track it down you kind of lose your path in the in the history but it seems to have grown increasingly popular back in the 1970s due to a self-help book called psycho cybernetics which sounds like a good source. Who wouldn't trust, uh, the bettering of their, their, uh, their, their, their humanity to a book called Psycho-Cybernetics? Uh, and from, from the 70s. From the 70s. Uh, which I'm just, I haven't looked it up yet, but I can already imagine the, the cover to that book. Cause I have looked I at some 1970s too. books, uh, on cell phone.
0: Yeah, and, and again, that's uh, where this idea came from. This self-help book said, hey, just 21 days, that's all it takes. But as we are going to discuss, it's much more complex than that. And we'll get to an idea of what it takes in terms of days, a consecutive amount of time. But before we do that, let's talk about the habit loop and what's happening inside of our brains. New York Times business writer Charles Duhigg says, habit loops, they contain three parts. Okay? Okay. First, there's a cue or a trigger that tells your brain to go into automatic mode and let a behavior unfold. Okay. Okay. Second, he says there's the routine, which is the behavior itself. And then the third step, he says, is the reward, something that your brain likes that helps it to remember that habit loop in the future.
1: So like an example of this would be the trigger. uh, What's setting this off is, oh, I feel kind of low energy in the afternoon. And then what should I do? All right, the automatic behavior is... I should go and have a soda. I'm going to have the the big sugary grape soda. And then the reward is I feel at least a a temporary boost uh, due to all that sugar in my body.
0: Right. And if you keep doing that over and over again, eventually those cues, those environmental cues will start to work on you. You know, maybe it's 3 o'clock and you're tired and you Mm -hmm. need that break. And you get that. You look at the clock and you see that's 3 o'clock. And that becomes one of the cues that adds up in this database of I want the soda.
1: Yeah, it's time for the soda, the soda, time to, to press the hot key on soda behavior.
0: Now, in part, we can trace habit making back to the basal ganglia, which also plays a key role in the development of emotions, memories, and pattern recognition. So decisions, meanwhile, though, they are made in the prefrontal cortex. And this is really interesting. As soon as a behavior becomes automatic, the decision making part of your brain goes into a kind of sleep mode.
1: Yeah, and, and in this, bas- the basal ganglia is the sen- essentially, it takes the behavior and turns it into an automatic routine. It's essentially a hotkey, you know, like, like when you're using Photoshop or any other program, you have that hotkey, like, you know, it's all control, whatever. I used to have a, a, bazillion of them memorized when I was using InDesign for a living. And, uh, and so you just go into this automatic behavior of, alright, just push these, these quick keys and it'll do some sort of automatic function on the page you're working on. Uh, and we do that in our lives. We do that when, yeah. as we're driving to work, as we're trying to navigate the hallways of our house without, um, you know, busting our elbow on something.
0: Well, and Dorig says that it, there's a real, um, boon to us when we do that because in a sense your brain starts working less and less. And he says the brain can almost completely shut down. And this is an advantage because it means that you have all of this mental activity that you can devote to something else.
1: It's why you can listen to stuff to blow your mind. While walking to the bus station, while driving to work, or while doing, uh, you know, data entry in an Excel spreadsheet.
0: Right. So... Because all this has become habituated and rote and routinized. And we need all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We need this kind of predictability. But, of course, the problem becomes when we want to change that behavior. And he says that if you want to change it or create a new one, you have to game those three aspects. So you have to game that trigger or that cue and know that it could be boredom or that you're tired. And it. acknowledge that that is the reason, not just that it's 3 o'clock and it's time for that soda. You kind of have to break it down and kind of go slow-mo with your thinking. Um, he also said that you have to disrupt the routine and the reward, you have to figure that out, too. You have to say, okay, fine, this might give me a temporary lift, but how gross am I going to feel a half hour later when all that sugar is sitting in my belly? Right. Um, and then he also said that you can replace that reward. So instead of having that soda, you could take a walk.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: And this was really helpful to me when I quit drinking, actually, because I had noticed that between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m. at night, those were sort of my witching hours. Mm-hmm. And I would go and work out instead of reaching for a glass of wine. Uh, and that's replaced that reward for me. And it disrupted the routine. So it was really helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, he stresses the, that with a lot of things related to behavior, a lot of it is just realizing the patterns of behavior, being able to yeah. look in the mirror and, and be self-aware of what's going on.
0: And you have to remember, we've talked about this a lot before, that these are neural pathways that once you just uh, have it over and over again, they become really grooved in your brain. Yeah. Okay, so that is um a pathway that's easy for those signals to trot upon. So if you do it less, then it becomes, the, you know, the strength of those pathways decreases. It will always be there because you created the pathway.
1: Yeah, and and ultimately, it's creating new behaviors, forging new pathways. It's easier, mm-hmm. getting, as opposed to getting rid of old ones. I mean, you can think of a think of it in terms of all right, you have a, a road between two cities, and what are you going to do? Are you going to shut down one road completely and then build another one? No, you're going to you're going to build an, an additional road, and then you're going to sort of and then that new road is going to replace the old one. If you just cut off the road, then how are we going to get where we're going? How am I going to deal with the, uh, the the trigger effect of needing that soda in the afternoon?
0: I like that idea that there are parallel paths. Yeah. And that's how you replace the one after a while. And you kind of put those detour signs on the other one. It always exists with the detour signs. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the problems with uh, any sort of habit that you pick up. Again, a bad habit is that as soon as you, you engage in that behavior, those pathways go, oh, I remember this road. I haven't taken it in a long time.
1: And like you said, the environment is a big thing. I, like if I, if I, and I don't know why I chose the soda habit. I haven't actually had a soda in forever, but it's a good, good model because I know a lot of people have this temptation. Uh, so in this case, in this example, I'm drinking sodas in the office. So the office is the environment in which uh, this behavior has become ingrained. Uh, so one thing that actually helps is stepping outside of the environment that uh, that that uh, that makes this uh, behavior acceptable. Now, changing your environment is not a cure all. But it can disrupt uh, some some of that uh, that routine, and that's why going on a vacation mm-hmm. is often cited as a good example of a, of a time to to try to break away from a routine. And it's also why vacations are often really comforting because we're breaking away from a number of routines, even if they're not necessarily you know bad for us. Maybe they're just you know you're you're free from mm-hmm. some of the change you weren't even aware of.
0: It was so much easier to slow down in that automated behavior, look at it and say, oh, why am I reaching for this? Why am I doing this? You're right, because you don't have those environmental triggers. Now, there is a, a kind of average of days, at least in one study, that shows that there are certain habits that you can pick up, good habits, let's say. Mm-hmm. And 66 days, now this is the average of days that it took participants to have a behavior become automatic. This is a study led by Philippa Lally, and she's a psychologist at University College London. So we are talking about this length of time varying anywhere from 18 days to 254, 66 was just the average. In some habits, we're talking about drinking a bottle of water after lunch, turned out to be a lot stickier. It only took 59 days on average. Yeah, because
1: that's, I mean, how difficult is that?
0: Yeah, you're just tipping the bottle. Yeah. But what about doing 50 sit-ups each morning?
1: Much harder to do, yeah.
0: 91 days. So other findings were that missing a single day did not reduce the chance of forming habits. That's good news. And a subgroup, it it turns out, took a lot longer than the others to form their habits. And this suggests that some people are habit resistant. Okay. And of course, other types of habits may take much longer. They make, you know, 254 days. For instance, for me, the sit-ups, that would, that would be like 365 days for me. So what about you? What would be the easiest thing and the hardest thing? Like what would take you 18 days and what would take you 254.
1: Well, I guess that's uh, obviously something I enjoy doing. Um a, a lot of people who who write uh, are aware of this 100 words a day thing where mm-hmm. the idea is all right, you, your life is busy but you really want to work on, you know, that novel or work on short stories or write a little poetry, so you just make sure you take out time, just carve just a sliver of time to do 100 words. Just you know, open up your your word document, you know, grab a notebook, 100 words and then you can move on. So that would probably be easier for me just because Obviously the reward uh the reward is also in doing it. It's something that I enjoy doing. And so that would be something that would be easy for me to do.
0: And you already have a huge uh writing muscle.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've been so exercising that. So that one would be an easy one. also all I have to do is open a document or, or grab a, a pad. But uh one would would be much harder and one that I also would very much like to do would be uh you know, to do yoga on a much more regular basis these days. But for that, obviously I've got to carve out a much larger piece of time like you know, at least 20 minutes, ideally like an hour, I need to either go to a, a, a space where I can do the yoga or find a space, both uh, both physical and mental, in which to do it uh, every day or a few days a week, and it becomes increasingly complex.
0: I read that if-then statements help with this, because a lot of times we'll say we want to do this, but mm-hmm. we find reasons not to do things. And the idea is that instead of finding those reasons not to do it, you say to yourself, if it's Monday and it's noon and i have 30 minutes i'm going to go to x space and do yoga and that that becomes more of an action item in your huh. brain as opposed to a plan really
1: well it's like a program you know because uh, yeah. it reminds me of, like the settings in email if you've ever looked at that where you can set things like mm-hmm. if this then that then x so yeah it's like and essentially that's what we're talking about reprogramming the self to incorporate new actions or to, uh, in some cases, eliminate other actions or choose one action over another.
0: Of course, all of this requires self-control and willpower, and uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about this muscle of self-control that we can cultivate for ourselves. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about the role of self-control and willpower because, of course, you can't just have uh, this... um, Zen like moment with your brain where you slow everything down and you examine how and why you're doing things, you also have to have the will to change that habit.
1: Yes, and we've, we've podcasted exclusively on will in some past episodes before, and it's a, it's a fascinating topic because it's like most things in life, it's not quite what you think it is when you actually stop and examine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Willpower is not a, a set level. It's not like, uh, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons where you, you roll the dice, and you have that that set number that uh, that you may modify with some uh, you know magical spells here and there. It's uh it's something that that fluctuates throughout the day based on where we are, where our attention is at, what our diet consists of, what kind of uh, uh, uh stimuli we're exposed to.
0: And the good news is that it is a behavior and not something that's hardwired so it can be changed. In fact, in a 2000 meta-study of self-control, Mark Moravin and Roy F. Baumeister, we've heard from him before, they set out to answer the question, does self-control resemble a muscle? And yes, they say, if willpower is like a muscle, and muscles can get stronger over time with training, willpower similarly can be trained and strengthened. And they found this in that meta-study. In addition, Australian researchers Megan Oten and Ken Chang Looked at this question and they took a group of people through a customized two-month exercise program. What did they find? Well, of course, the people got stronger. Um, they developed more muscles, but they also found that their behaviors, their their self-control, their willpower changed uh, with the addition of the actual physical muscles.
1: Yeah, th- th- this is pretty amazing. And th- they they threw out the uh, example. There's like a like a pebble in a lake. There's this ripple effect. You start instilling willpower into one area of your life. And it actually bleeds over into other areas of your life because the overall willpower level increases.
0: I was thinking about this in the context of the, the bit we found out about how a full bladder mm-hmm. can actually help with willpower, at least, you know, temporarily, because if you have a full bladder, your brain is suppressing the, the urge to pee on yourself, essentially. And as a result, it is suppressing everything else. So not just you overeating at the buffet, but controlling your bladder and perhaps not having a cigarette at that very moment.
1: It's why drinking more water is is such a, a no brainer for, uh, for for New Year's resolutions because more water good <laughs> for your body. You're mostly water anyway, right? You can you can line up all the health benefits there, but your bladder is going to be more full more of the time, thus allowing you to better suppress uh, other temptations in your life.
0: There you go. Oh, that's a tip right there. More yeah. water. All right. So let's talk about the specifics of the study. We're talking about, again, a two month period in which the participants hit the gym three times a week. And before, during, and after the exercise, the group was tested on a visual task that measured willpower via distraction and thought suppression. Now, after two months, the error rate went down for the group from 23% to 12%. So in other words, they were able to not pay attention to those distractions, to be more focused. And they had that decrease in their brain just sort of going willy-nilly about things.
1: Yeah, and the crazy thing, too, is that when I first started reading this, I was thinking, all right, the, the other areas they are going to be affecting their life, it's going to be like, oh, well, they ate a little more broccoli or something easy like that. But no, the, uh, the improvements they saw related to stuff like cigarette smoking, alcohol consumption, mm-hmm. healthy eating, exercise, and household chores. So, uh, I mean, the fact that uh, cigarettes and alcohol were also affected, things that you often... Think of as having uh, their talons a little deeper into the psyche, yeah. Um, to to see to see those areas affected as well uh, by this ripple effect is really encouraging.
0: Yeah, and the behavior was all over the place. It might be that someone missed appointments a lot, mm-hmm. in which case they found that a person went from missing an appointment every day to like once a week, or in the case of the cigarettes, uh, down from fourteen cigarettes a day to just three. That is amazing.
1: Yeah. All right, so coming back to the, the old idea that we talked about at the beginning of the, the episode, the idea that if I, if I apply X amount of time towards something, towards a new skill, a new discipline, a new subject, I can become an expert. I can make this my own. I can own this content. You, possible or not possible?
0: So yes and no. All right, because if you think about someone being a master of their universe, you typically think of, like, Ben Franklin or Leonardo da Vinci. These are people who were true polymaths who could attack new topics, consume them, and by habit, they could do this, right? Yeah. Um, Now, some people would say that that was the 1800s. The world was much smaller. There were fewer tomes to go through and become an expert. Now we have so much more knowledge, so it's a lot more difficult. And you could say that in some senses, our, our willpower, our ability to really concentrate has been diluted by all of this knowledge. But it remains that if you do something, namely repetition, that you can still learn new things. And you may even become an expert on, you know, that 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell always talks about. That's a possibility in there, too. But if you just want to sort of pick up guitar or, you know, stop smoking, drinking, all of these things are available to you. You just need to document it and uh, repeat, wash, repeat.
1: Yeah, make it, making a pattern of it, regularly consuming it, uh, be it uh, 100 words a day, be it uh, guitar lessons, or be it, hey, here's a good one. You can listen to a new episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind every day for a year. I think we have enough now. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: yeah, and you have to document it. This is the important part. Yes. And this is where we bring up Karen X. Chang, okay? She is kind of, the, I think, the best example of this kind of muscle flexing of self-control. Now, She not only was a program manager of Microsoft Excel, at the same time that she was doing this full-time job, she decided, oh, hey, I think I want to teach myself computer graphics. Mm -hmm. She did within a six-month period. And then she got a new job as a designer at Exec. This is a startup in San Francisco. Uh, Along the way, she taught herself all sorts of things like guitar. And she began to realize that she had a process in place that could allow her to enjoy and explore all the things that she found fascinating. And she started a website called GiveIt100.com. And this is based on her own video that went viral. Some people may be uh, familiar with this, in which she taught herself to dance in a year. And oh, yes. every day she documented herself. Mm-hmm. And it's a great video because it starts out with her doing these sort of awkward pop and locks like I'm doing right now, but you can't see. Yeah. And then she becomes this beautiful, fluid dancer after 365 days.
1: So what what did she give it a 100 of?
0: Well, the idea is that 100, mm-hmm. 100 days is something that a person can sort of do like that what she did. Mm-hmm. although sort of 365 light, right? Yeah. So in other words, you pick a project, you document yourself every day, you upload a video. I think there's only like 10 to 15 seconds of the video that shows yes. on the site, but you can see real progress after a number of days. And that's one of the things that she says is really important in trying to learn something new or do something that you not just document it, you do it over and over again, but that you can see where you're going with this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so the YouTube... Uh use of YouTube here achieves that, but also is a great d- documentation system. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, if anybody's interested, I would say check that out. Um, personally, I, I'm playing around with the idea of doing that because I would love to conquer the accordion this ah, year. Oh, yes. Enough playing around with it, <laughs> pretending like I'm in some Parisian cafe entertaining folks and having their ears bleed.
1: Well, what you need to do is, is do it on your drive to work.
0: That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would work. Okay, I mean, because things are pretty automated when when it comes to driving. Why not?
1: You get you get one of those uh, those little, uh, little little cameras that go on the dashboard. Uh, you know, turn it your, uh, yourself, uh-huh. and then every morning as you drive to work, you're playing the accordion.
0: I think that the lawyers of discovery.com <laughs> are going to love this.
1: I think they will. I, it, that secretly, they they will love it. Um, but but uh, I should also mention the hundred words a day thing I was talking about earlier. Uh, now I am remembering that in the the official a prescribed version of that um, you are keeping track of your word count like you're saying yes I did I did 150 yeah. today I did a 200 uh, the day before and all that so that you you have some level of accountability uh, too that's because presumably somebody is looking at your YouTube videos presumably somebody right. is looking at the you know the little ticker that you have at the bottom of your web page that says how many how many words you're uh, you're pumping out
0: yeah, I don't know about uh, giveit100.com, but I do know the 100 words a day. If you don't write, they will send you an email, a little nasty gram, <laughs> saying, "Hey, you need to do this," which is always really helpful.
1: And that's probably a good, good, uh, good bit of info for me, though, about all this, is because I should, if I'm going to do the 100 words a day, I should maybe do the official version to where there's a little more accountability, and it's not just "Oh, I forgot" for three weeks.
0: Yeah. So I'm, you know, as I move through this year in 2014 and master the accordion, and then make everybody's ears bleed. How about in six months' time? should we say
1: six months Yeah, we
0: we all meet back here in six months I'll play for you guys Um, as I think about this I'm going to think about that habit loop and those triggers right Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to think about my little basal ganglia I'm going to ask it to back off Well, although I might say, hey, you can go ahead and do this. When I get really good, it becomes an automated behavior. But I'm also going to think about that repetition. And uh, we'll see after 66 days too where I land on this, if this becomes uh, pretty decent in terms of my ability to play. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Hope that this episode helped your brain get all nice and shiny for the new year.
1: Indeed. Uh, and hey, if you need some other uh tips, uh why don't you head on over to stufftoblowyourmind.com because that's where you will find all the podcast episodes, all the videos, all the blog posts we've ever done. There's a nice search bar at the top and you uh, you can just uh top, you know, pop something in. Pop in brain, pop in self-help. Pop in uh, you know, memory and uh, see what you find. It might help you out.
0: Pop in fully clothed naked men and you'll see what you get. <laughs> Men with clothes on. All right. um, If you want to send us your thoughts, you can do so by emailing us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.